Welcome to The Real Zodiac, a film retrospective podcast dedicated to reminding or introducing you to some of the most iconic films of all time, stirring up memories of ones you forgot or wish you could forget, and every film in between. Your hosts will be your tour guides and sometimes companions along this journey down the rabbit hole. Be warned, though, there will be blood, guts, more than a few bullet casings, love, despair, tears of joy, and cries of agony. Some from the hosts themselves, because some of these movies will make them wonder why did they choose these movies. Good luck, oh, and of course, enjoy the ride. This is a perfect retreat. You'll come back renewed. There's a guest house on the property. It's really odd. We're not scaring me. Go see for yourself, Sophie. Be careful. What is happening? I don't know. Is it another dimension when you go through the door? It's kind of magical. You know, it's not real. This entire weekend has been one planned trap. It's a perfect weekend together. Everyone, welcome to Real Zodiac, and uh, today we are finishing out science fiction with a movie from 2014, uh, the one I love. And to discuss it with me today is the uh, Shaggy to my Scoob, Mr. Quentin. Hello, it's good to hear from you, girl. Yes, of course. Uh, so yeah, excited to talk about this one, sir. Um, so whenever you mentioned that we're doing the one I love. My mind, and I'm definitely going to put this in the uh, opener for this uh, movie we're doing, but The One I Love by R.E.M., that song mm. keeps getting in my head every time I either say this or I think about this film. Oh, you, that's fantastic. You know the song, right? I know. I probably know what it is. I've yeah. never like, delved into R.E.M. a whole lot, but I know if I heard it, I'd be like, yes, I've heard that. Right. <laughs> <sighs> That's very cool. And we are not alone. We are blessed and graced with the beautiful Rebecca. Oh, what a lovely intro. Thank you so much. Absolutely. All right, guys. So I think for this one, um, we might start out with doing no spoiler talk just yet. Just getting initial thoughts and feels of this movie. So that way, if somebody is playing this, they haven't watched this movie, stop playing this and go watch the movie um but yeah uh rebecca what was kind of your your feelings coming out of it yeah you know it, it's funny you mentioned that song quentin because for sure uh when i love by rem definitely is like an appropriate uh, reference but for some reason when i um tried to find this movie i kept thinking it was called the one i want and then um, the one that I want from Greece kept playing in my head. <laughs> and then I wanted to go watch Greece, But I controlled myself and instead I watched this movie. Um, <laughs> I love that. It's, it's been playing over in my head like all day. Now I have to go watch Greece at some point, I suppose, to get it out of my head. Um, yeah, um, I was excited to be part of the science fiction talk. I am a huge science fiction fan. Um, I've enjoyed reading it over the years, uh, watching it. Um so th- this movie, certainly as a science fiction story, uh, definitely appealed to me. Um, 
you know, and I'm also a huge Elizabeth Moss fan. Like, I'll watch anything that she's in. So I was pretty excited about that. Duplass Brothers, um, them being behind this project, also very exciting and interesting. Um, I thought this movie was very intriguing. Um, and I, I wrestle back and forth with how much I, I like this movie and how much this movie left me wanting. I did like this movie. I would I would recommend people watch it. I would actually watch it again myself to try to pick up maybe some new things. Um, I definitely think, though, to be honest, I do think it's a bit more fantasy than science fiction sometimes. Um, but I do think at its core, it, it is a science fiction story. Um, but there is... Oh gosh, I don't want to spoil anything. We'll talk about that later. But I, <laughs> I, I would, um, I like the acting in it, um, especially like by Elizabeth Moss. Um, who's the actor that played her husband? That is Mark Duplass. Mark, okay, duh. Mark yep. Duplass. Um, I thought he also did an exceptional job. I mean, they're really the, the two main actors in this whole movie. Um, and I, I I thought he did an exceptional job. I thought she did great as well. I, I would, um, sh- should I read it now or should I wait? We can wait for the rating. Gotcha. Sit for okay. the end. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, so I, <laughs> overall, like, I did like this movie. Um, but there was stuff that left me wanting. And I guess we'll talk about that more in spoilers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what about you, Quentin? Well, I remember you and I having a conversation about this movie um, a couple of days ago, and I told you, yep, Amanda, I just finished this movie, and I really want to just talk to you, but I want to save it to the recording, but you asked me to sum up my feelings in three words, and so mm-hmm. I'm just going to leave it with that surprising, or I'm sorry, what did I say? Uh, I got this, I got this. Predictable, but <laughs> surprising. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Perfect. Yeah, um, I definitely enjoyed it coming out of this, and I enjoyed the ride that it took us on. Um, But then afterwards, I, of course, was intrigued, like, why is this out in 2014? I don't remember hearing anything about it. Um, Yeah, it was just an independent film. This is the director's first time out. Um, I think the cinematographer, it's his first time out. And the writer, it's kind of the first thing he sort of, quote, unquote, wrote. He didn't actually write any dialogue. He just had an idea and a concept and an outline and gave it to Duplass. And they were like, let's roll with this. So um, it was a Sundance baby. And then it went to VOD later in the year of 2014. Gotcha. So all of that just made me even more excited. And I did give it a second watch. So. Did you know the box office only made six hundred thousand? Mm, yeah, I saw it was just yeah. But I can't there. I can't imagine this film make or like uh, costing a lot of money either. Mm-mm. So I don't know how much I don't know if they lost any money because it doesn't tell me um, their budget. But I'm curious to I'm curious to find that out. I'm, I might have to look that up a little later. Yeah, um, well, the director uh, is Charlie McDowell, son of Malcolm McDowell, you know, oh. the great, uh, oh. yeah. No way. So it's my, 
Yeah, his mother is Mary Steenburgen, and what? She's actually now married to Ted Danson. So that's how he is in this movie. And their cost had to be next to nothing, and they just did it for had to almost just do it for fun, for the love of it, because the set is Mary and Ted's home. That is amazing. Get out of here, really? And I just found the budget. It was estimated at a hundred thousand. So yeah, they definitely didn't lose any money in in any way. Oh, look at that! Good for them. They made a bunch of money on this movie. They to only make six hundred thousand though. They must have just released it like very limitedly at just like some small art house theaters or something like that. Oh yeah. Yeah, like if it's that it's that kind of thing, And, and you can imagine like someone like Elizabeth Moss who. I think even back in 2014, I mean, she was already doing Handmaid's Tale then, right? Um, Is that right? Yeah, Did I, I think that up? That came up. I don't know when that came out. Let me look real quick. I mean, that was right in between Mad Men and Handmaid. I mean, yeah, I mean, she she had to have been at least you know gaining some steam as a name, mm-hmm. you know, in 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 television. I think now probably she's like. Very a well huger obscure name, yeah. yeah. Like mm-hmm. you know, she she did that big movie, uh, uh, Invisible Man, right? Uh, mm-hmm. so, so I think you know now she's like whoa, big name and that that kind of thing. Now at that time she probably was like if you're you know between Mad Men and, and Handmaid's Tale she was at least had a name in like television and you know certainly doing this might have been a really nice way for her to get more into film. So mm-hmm. Handmaid's Tale came out in 2017, so oh, which, which is crazy because I I agree with you, Rebecca. I feel like it's been in the field like for a while now, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. just three years that seems a little crazy. I, I yeah. think because it's so iconic, like the story and the costumes and and all that stuff. Like I I feel like Handmaid's Tale's been around for so much longer right. than just 2017. And I think that this movie probably helped her. So, like, kind of saying what you're saying there, this movie could have projected her into more of that serious role of Handmaid's Tale. Because mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. can tell, like, she has she has a little venom in her in, like, a lot of the films she does. And uh, we'll get into it more, but she definitely has a little venom in this film, too. Mm-hmm. Did, did you guys see her in the kitchen? No. I That... Uh, I'm sorry, Amanda. I, I, oh, I'm go ahead. There. Um, that that movie, I I really can't really recommend it. It's not it's not terribly good, unfortunately. Um, but it was a movie I was really excited about back in 2019. You know, 800 years ago. Uh, so it just uh, <laughs> feels like 800 years ago anyway. Um, I would say that Elizabeth Moss was the best part of that movie. Um, like if you watch it for no other reason, just to see her performance, it it would be worth it. Um, everything else in that movie, unfortunately, I didn't care for, but I thought she was brilliant in, in that movie. Okay. Yeah. I, and that, that's kind of what steered me away from seeing it because of all the negative reviews. And I think they, Brian talked about that movie on uh, PCL and he said, yeah, it's not really worth it. So I just didn't really go with it, but I'm going to tell you, Elizabeth Moss is a great actress. Um, and I'm going to start looking more into her filmography because, I think I don't want anybody to think that Elizabeth Moss is going under the radar because she's she's a force to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. I I totally agree with you. One of up and coming greats. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. easily. All right. So with that, I think we should move into spoiler territory. So yeah, 
If you haven't watched this movie, stop listening right now and <laughs> we'll just get into it. Um, I kind of wanted to go more with uh, the writing. The Justin Ladder had just a, an idea and a rough outline. And then he was told to develop the story more. And he came back with, to Duplass with like a 50-page outline no dialogue at all. So when they filmed this, most of that dialogue was improvised. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know what? I totally see that. Like, I could see mm -hmm. this being a silent film. Mm. The, this movie is very organic. Like, the mm -hmm. way that things happen, the relationships, the way that they relate to each other, it does feel very organic. And I feel like both characters react very um it's very based on reality like i could see myself in both of those roles like deal oh we're in spoilers now so we can yes, talk about yes. it but like um like when when they meet the doppelgangers like when they finally meet them and like they just walk in the house and they're just chilling in the living room and they're like what's up people like you feel the shock but then the awkwardness of the dinner scene and then but even before that like all the back and forth of how they react and with each other and then with the doppelgangers and stuff i, I it does feel very organic it's it, gosh mm -hmm. what what a great way to let that movie kind of just play out you can imagine how much like unused footage they must have of oh, just yeah. like you know, you know, other lines they tried and, you know, try it this way, bounce this off. Try what, what do you think about this? Like uh, what, what a, what a fun process to create a movie that way. Yeah. I would love to see the behind the scenes of this film. Um, mm. But have any of you guys seen us? Mm -hmm. Yes. I was getting us vibes, especially at that dinner scene, like when they first mm -hmm. meet up with them and not just because Elizabeth Moss was in that film too. But, like, I loved the way that it felt like there was tension in the room. And you could tell just how Sophie was enamored with uh, Ethan, too. And just Sophie, too, hated just the whole idea of Ethan, too, falling for Sophie. And it was just, it was great to watch it all unravel throughout the film. Oh, God. I felt like I could have gotten way more of that that dinner and that game night i felt like that was a have either of you seen uh who's afraid of, of virginia wolf ages ago i have but not. yes definitely yes okay <laughs> so you 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 know what i'm talking about with the dinner scene mm -hmm. um and they do reference that movie in this movie. He, 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 they, they do say, you know, oh, yeah. what, what do you think this is? Like, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? And then when the dinner scene starts happening, I was like, oh, this is totally who's afraid of Virginia Woolf. Which, if you've never seen it, it is an older film. Um, Elizabeth Taylor is in it. She's, uh, it's such a good movie, but it's a real psychological look at a, dysfunctional couple that should not be together but are together and mm -hmm. it's it's uncomfortable to watch but it's like you can't look away either so it, if you're a fan of older cinema i recommend watching who's afraid of virginia wolf after this 
because I feel like when you watch it, you'll be like, yep, this is the dinner this scene all sense. over again. Mm-hmm. I feel like I just watched something not too long ago that reminded me of that movie, too. But it'll come to me. We're talking about this one now, so yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that the whole game night kitchen scene. I know that's <laughs> kind of towards the end, but the the whole inner not inner dialogue, but the like where you're listening between the lines, like where you know they're talking about playing poker and having a poker face, and you know how do you play the game, and you know Ethan. One saying like, you know, like, well, I'm all in, which is obviously he's not talking about the poker. He's like, I want my wife back. Like, this is where I'm at right now. And just like the little sinister lines that go back and forth between the two Sophies when they're, you know, going to do the dishes and passing the wine bottle back and forth. Just Mm. all of the undertones and everything. I'm just like, wow. And to know that that was like, you know mostly improvised is insane because I could watch an entire movie of Elizabeth Moss talking to herself, drinking wine. I could watch uh, yep. two hours <laughs> of that. That to me was one of the most dynamic scenes in the movie, especially when like Sophie too says to her, so I'll keep saying how I like your shoes and you'll say how you like my hair pinned back and we'll just all get along. Oh, by the way, could you do these dishes after all? Oh my mm-hmm. God. This is where the movie frustrates me because I felt like Sophie, too, got almost no character development in this movie. Very little is focused on her. This is mostly about Ethan 1, Ethan 2, and Sophie 1. Sophie 2 is, like, almost left out because we didn't get a lot of scenes with her. Um, So I... I was a little disappointed in that. I wanted more of of Sophie too. I felt like she was a little marginalized, and I I I didn't know why because that that scene was so dynamic, and I wanted more of it. Um, yeah, that I was a little frustrated by that. That totally makes sense, and I hear what you're saying because I kind of thought the same thing too. And that's where you know going back and forth and just me when I was as I was watching this movie. You know, you get the very beginning with Ted Danson and they're in couples therapy and you can tell that they've been there more than once because their clothes start changing, which then now after watching the whole movie, I'm like, wait, was that just the original Ethan and Sophie in the beginning? Or was that snippets of therapy, but also the twos like learning about the other couple? But um. You can see that there's a trouble and obviously Ethan has cheated on Sophie and that hasn't been worked on. So who knows how long ago that incident was because it seems like Sophie One's um, frustration and trying to work on things, like she's almost checked out of it. Like she's at that breaking point. Mm-hmm. I, I almost felt like this was a couple – that almost didn't belong together. Like Mm -hmm. in the very beginning when he's telling the story of like how they fell in love, it's very whirlwind, right? They met at some party, they drink a lot 
and then they go into some stranger's backyard and jump in their pool. And, of course, the person who owns the house, you know, hears someone in the pool, turns the lights on. Hey, get out of my pool, blah, blah, blah. And it was like the rush of doing something forbidden and mm-hmm. wrong and naughty and, and all that stuff. And it's like in this rush of emotion – it's almost like Ethan falls in love with Sophie. Like, he even says it. Like, we went swimming and then we fell in love. But it's almost like they were trying... Because we do see him trying to recapture that by, like, recreating that night, right? They go back to that mm-hmm. same house and jump in that same pool. And they wait for the, you know, the owner to come out and yell at them. And it doesn't happen. And they're like disappointed mm-hmm. like womp, womp. you know it's it's like it's not fun anymore and and i kind of feel like this was a couple that like shouldn't have really been together because they and then of course you know he ends up cheating on her for some reason which we never find out why or with who or how long ago and and but it almost seems like these are two people that are so dissimilar they came to a point that they didn't want to work on the marriage anymore. And, and you even said, Amanda, that she's like checked out. Mm-hmm. You know, she wants that Ethan that she fell in love with. But does he even exist? Was he just because, you know, they were drunk and did something they weren't supposed to do? Yep. I totally that rolled around in my head, too. What about you, Quentin? Well, I'm glad that you're saying that, Rebecca, because. It feels like the relationship was built on not love, but like excitement and um, adrenaline. Mm-hmm. And then like you don't you don't stay on adrenaline forever. And so it feels like after he had that rush of adrenaline, and who knows? Does it tell us how long they've been together? I don't think so. Okay, I don't. I don't remember like a, a time frame on that either. Gotcha. But it makes me wonder, one, how long have they been together? And two, how long have they been married until he cheated on her? Because um, that makes me wonder, like, he lost that excitement. And then they do. They feel like deadbeats stuck in a relationship. And they play off of each other so well in it being just kind of stuck. And then whenever, like, she, uh, Sophie goes to Ethan too, she gets that revitalized thing where it doesn't even feel like Ethan. It's just, I mean, it's the same person, but he has that, that way about him that kind of gives her that high again. Mm. Or it's, or it's her idealized version of him. Right. And so it's interesting to see, like, the, the relationship between her and Ethan too blossom as much as it does um, and seeing just the deterioration of the relationship that we've already been um, shown in the first few minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. That's um, talking about just meeting with the, the first interaction with the other Ethan. Um, what did you guys think like going into this movie and not really knowing I mean, for this movie being out as long as it has, I can't believe there haven't been, you know, spoilers weren't just more abundant. But what did you guys think when she goes into the guest house and, like, Ethan is there? Like, what rolled through your mind initially? 
I knew it was somebody else. Really? Yeah. Like, I knew because, like, when she left, or, like, they had the really nice, you know, dinner, they had sex, and then they were, like, playing around and having fun. Um, part of me was like, oh, man, he's really lightened up. But then something clicked, and I was like, you know what? I don't think that's him. And when she goes back to the other house and she sees him sleeping, I said, I called it. And like mm. I said, there were just things that were predictable about this film. And it's like, because I knew there was a sci-fi element, obviously. And I mm-hmm. didn't know what it was first, but seeing like how much their interaction was in the guest house was so like new and revitalized. I felt like that's the, that's the hook. Interesting. I did not pick that up on that until she went back to the main house and he was sleeping there. I I attributed it, and and maybe that was the what the movie was trying to sell me. Because if it if it that's what it was, then I bought it. That because you know they they smoked a joint and they were drinking, and he was, you know, he had loosened up a little bit. Like you saw them like kind of flirtatiously talking over dinner. In my mind, I was like. Oh, okay. He's just maybe, you know, maybe he's just like wound real tight. And now he's like, you know, he got a little weed, got a little drink. And now he's like, cool, you know? So, but then when she went back to the house and he was sleeping there, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Here's the sci-fi element. And then for sure, when, you know, he went and found Sophie too, and she was like this idolized version of what he wanted from his wife of like, Somebody who was always cheerful, somebody who was, you know, let him do whatever he want. I mean, in that sense, he's kind of a big man baby because, you know, (laughs) Sophie, too, is like, oh, do you want to take a walk? Oh, go ahead. Oh, do you want to read? Oh, go ahead. Oh, do you do you want some bacon? Oh, you know, here here you go. Have some bacon. Even though Sophie one doesn't like the smell of it or, or whatever. She doesn't like when he eats it or whatever. Like she's this idealized version of Sophie that he wants and you know they're presenting themselves in a way of course as we find out later to put a wedge between this couple yeah. mm-hmm. which that's just so bizarre yeah when I first uh, when she goes into the guest house because you know we see in the beginning like Ethan exploring and you know we have like the three different buildings there's the main house the coop and then the guest home and going back like to when he even just walked through the coop, there was like a microphone set up where you're like, that's weird. Huh? Bizarre. Right. Right. And he hits the guest home and everything's good. And then they have their nice dinner together, smoke the weed and she's out having a cigarette and she's like, Oh, he said something about the guest house. So I'm going to check it out. And she goes wandering over there and you hear somebody, and I was like, uh-oh, there's another person. But then it's him, but he didn't have the glasses on. That's when I knew, like, that's when the science fiction was going to kick in. But I did not, um, in my head, I was thinking, like, okay, this place is, like, magical or something. This is going to be, like, a like a weird, like, rom-com or something where they're, you know, like multiplicity sort of concept or idea, you know? Right. And I kind of thought, uh, all right, so there's like a manifestation where you're going to learn from the other person's other half. 
so then I knew that like a Sophie too was going to like show up, but when she walked back into the other house and Ethan's laying on the couch, yeah, I was kind of like, then they immediately have a fight and I was like, oh no, this is not what that's going to be. Like, I'm not sure how this is going to work, but the fact they immediately just start fighting about it. And then like he even leaves and goes into the guest house. I was like, all right, this is where we're going to get second Sophie. And she shows up, but she's wearing like this, like little, um, like little pajama, you know, like this little nightgown. And I was like, yeah, that is definitely not what the other Sophie was wearing because she's kind of like, um, her clothing is a little more relaxed and comfortable, like a big baggy sweater and, you know, sweatpants and stuff like that. And I was like, this is this is the other one. This is whatever the other element for Sophie going on. Yeah. Well, I think when it when it came to the clothing, especially like Sophie's uh, clothing, the two Sophies, I think that speaks a lot to like what Ethan wanted out of this relationship. So like Sophie won, as you said, Amanda, you know, she's very relaxed. She's got like sweats and just comfortable shoes. And then Sophie, too, like her hair is more soft. It's more like done. Um, Mm -hmm. Her clothes are more lacy. They're more she's more, I guess what you would say, like, quote unquote, feminine or Mm -hmm. more of a what you think of as like a classical feminine woman, Um, which kind of I feel like feeds into this you know Ethan just wants like this like sexy lady to make him bacon all day and maybe that's why he cheated on Sophie one like I I, he seems to want that from her but she for whatever reason maybe it's just not her style or maybe she used to dress like that you know we we don't Mm -hmm. know it maybe you know previously she she did wear those kinds of clothes but now she doesn't it's it's one of those things of like they both kind of want different things from the relationship and it's the doppelgangers who are providing it. And obviously like the therapist being the one to coach them on like what to say and all that has, you know, a huge part to do with it. Mm-hmm. And that definitely was one of my questions is like, Okay, so what is this other couple supposed to do to benefit the original couple? And how is this helping the therapist that we see in the beginning that we don't have any more contact with throughout the rest of the movie? So, yeah, the first time through, I'm trying to, like, process bits and pieces of this and figure out the whys. Why is everything happening? Why is this being done? Right. Well, I mean, the movie makes the choice to really not tell you why. Like, that that's one of the things, to be honest, and I'm interested to hear what you both think of this. You know, as as is with, with some science fiction, sometimes they choose to basically not tell you how or why something is happening. It's just, it's happening, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, there's no explanation here of who these this other couple is like how they look and sound 
exactly like them. You know, you get that scene where he's like listening to the tapes and like something is modulating their voices until they sound like them. But who is this other couple? Like how who put up that barrier that only two people can leave? Uh, who designed that? The therapist is behind it or he's a puppet? He's a tool? I they everything is a big question mark of mm-hmm. of how and why. And and that's why to me some of this movie feels more like fantasy, but I don't know, were you like were you satisfied with the choice to not explain? Or, um, or, or were you left like, but I have all these questions and now who's going to answer them for me? <laughs> yeah. Initially coming out of it and even throughout the first watching, you had lots of questions, lots, lots of questions. But watching it a second time, um, uh, stuff didn't get answered, but it made me think about certain things in the movie differently. And then it, the movie obviously making the choice to not answer these and leave everything um Ambiguous? Is that the right word? Ambiguous? Yeah. I think so. Right? Sounds right. <laughs> um, it was a good choice because even though there was this science fiction element, it was more a question about, like, it really is just a movie about their relationship and their feelings and what, um, what just, yeah, what everyday people question or go through. Like, there's definitely different things that I saw in this reflected in past experiences that I've had. Um, and it just, yeah, I was kind of like, you know, I think I'm just going to maybe stop asking some of the big questions because the second viewing gave me a different perspective. Yeah. I, I totally kind of agree with you, Amanda, but the big thing that they did with, uh, Sophie two explaining, to Ethan, well, Ethan one that hey, we're stuck here. Um, you you guys have to break up, and then we can leave. Uh, the the Ethan two and Sophie two, like that was honestly that in including like listening to the tapes. That's that's all I really needed. Um, yeah, I had questions like, are these chameleons? Like, do are these robots? You know, like I I wanted to know all these things, but. Once she gave that explanation, all my other questions just kind of went. I was like, okay, I'll I'll just go with this. And yeah, I mean, the deeper thing is, um, even though this is considered a sci-fi film, the element that I think every, they want us to to look at is the love and um, I I don't want to say romance, but like the drama and mm-hmm. that is in this film, and that sci-fi element is just to ramp up the story. In a sense. Oh yeah, well I like how uh, Rebecca you are using the word fantasy, and I totally feel like like the first part, like it was more like fantasy sci-fi, and then there is that hard like reality check coming from Sophie too, where I'm like, oh now we're talking about like quote unquote maybe grounded science, like people are orchestrating this versus unexplained science fiction. Right. So that was kind of a weird turn. And I liked it because I feel like you would. Oh, sorry. Good. No, no, no. I was I was just going to say I've only watched the movie once and it sounds like you both have watched it more than once. I think I need to watch it again and kind of 
I think if I could watch it again, I may come to that moment where I'm like, oh, this is just the way that it is. Okay. But right now, I feel a little Mm -hmm. unsatisfied. I really Mm -hmm. do. Because I feel like, to what purpose does this whole thing exist? Who set this up? Who this barrier that only two people can leave i and it i don't know it's like the it's i need the explanation at least right now i feel like i do but mm-hmm. then i'm wondering if maybe a second viewing through maybe i will just be satisfied and just be like oh well this is just the way that it is and it's a weird thing that they happened to them and 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 it's happened to a million other couples cuz he saw all those other files and just have to go with it. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I can say just it's an easy and enjoyable second watch. I mean, just just knowing the other information going into it about, you know, where it's more improv and they're, like, in someone's actual, like, they're in Ted Danson's home. Like, <laughs> and knowing all those little things, it just kind of enhanced everything, and it really puts their acting like more front and center. And I don't know how that makes any sense since they're the only two in this, but um, you just, it just amps all of that up and it's just mind blowing. Totally. Yeah. I, I do like how, um, I do like how they even approaching this mystery both Sophie and Ethan take a different viewpoint. Like mm-hmm. Ethan's is, is like, let's just go home. We'll never talk about it again. And we'll just forget about it. And Sophie's like, or we could delve further in. And, and you kind of see right there in that scene at the diner, like where they're like having breakfast, it really encompasses both their personalities so mm-hmm. well. He's so like afraid to take chances. And she's, more throw yourself into something which is so weird that the guy who's like terrified to do stuff would cheat on his wife like that's so out of character for him mm-hmm. but he did it it's it's such a really interesting character study of, oh, of I, these two people uh, yeah well and four people i guess that, <laughs> yeah but <laughs> you say that um that would almost make sense though if they were having problems instead of him confronting her and actually you know because I'm imagining like she wanted to work on the relationship and explore and, you know, work on them together. And for him to deal with that was to be like, nope, I'm not going to confront. Then he, you know, trips up and loses his dick and some other girl. And, you know, <laughs> like that sort of seems to make sense to me a little bit. But you're right. It totally mirrors their personalities and just how they initially look at the situation. Right. But, um, like, what would you guys do in that situation if uh, you figured out, like, I was just so excited that the um, the issue of the movie, of what the story is going to be, like, showed up, like, 15 minutes in, where I was like, wow, we're getting, like, like the in-your-face, in you know, doppelganger, like, right away. But uh, what would you guys do if you uh, figured out that that was going on? with your other half or something in an, at a little weekend getaway place. Oh man. What a question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about like 
what would we do in uh, Ethan's point of view? Like if our significant other is canoodling with the with our doppelganger. I say even like before the... like the the known canoodling happened. Okay, like okay. once you figured it out and you were in that restaurant, okay, making good, 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 the good. decision. Yeah, for I don't know because I'm trying to think about it with with my wife and our personalities. I think she would be in um in Ethan's place of saying like let's let's just go home, you know, like let's not deal with this, let's not uh, go any further. And to me. Like you're seeing your, your, I don't know. Like I would be so intrigued, I guess. And, um, I don't know. I'd, I'd hope to God that, you know, I wouldn't follow in Sophie's steps, but like it is very interesting. Like you want to know where they came from and like why they're even there. I would be mm-hmm. very interested and, uh, curious. What about you, Rebecca? You know, the, the, the funny thing is that uh, both myself and the guy that I'm seeing, I think we would both throw ourselves into it 110%. <laughs> <laughs> Only because I think we're both intrigued by a mystery and we like to solve puzzles, like in the sense of like, I, I want to understand how this thing works. And I think we would both throw ourselves into it. I hope we wouldn't, hope we wouldn't trade each other off or anything, but like, um, yeah, I, I, I could see myself definitely wanting to figure it out, wanting to explore more and find out what was really going on. Mm-hmm. How about you? Like for me, I, yeah, um, I would definitely want to explore, but if like where they set out the ground rules and that one major rule, it's like if at any point one of us is like, okay, now we're gone, we're gone. I would have stuck to that and been like, okay, we explore it for a little bit, but if you're you're not cool, then then we're done. We're out. We're out of here. Right. But if there'd be a safe way to explore it, oh yeah, I'd be into that 100%. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really interesting because I think a lot of this movie is definitely Sophie one feeling like I feel like she approaches every situation to Ethan as like, you owe me. Mm-hmm. You you have to I give me, that. right? You have to give me this thing because you cheated on me. Therefore, I mean, she even says that to him in therapy. You don't get to decide how and when we move on. I do. Mm-hmm. She's the injured party and that's how she really feels. And I think all of her choices and decisions in this movie were made because she felt like Ethan owed her. And so e- even when he was ready to leave, she was like, no, I don't want to leave. Be- and I think in her head, it was oh. like, you owe me. I get to do what I want to do because you cheated on me. And she couldn't let go of that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, in that scene where she asks Ethan to She's asking him for a reason. Why did you cheat on me? Because she couldn't get that answer from Ethan one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My he favorite scene. Oh, what a great scene where she's like, why did you do it? Why did you cheat on me? And he tells her what she wants to hear in that moment. Mm-hmm. 100%. Of, I have, 
I have no excuse. Uh, it's, it's all my fault. You didn't do anything wrong. It's a hundred percent on me, but I'm going to, I'm working so hard to earn back your love, to earn back your trust. And in that moment, I felt like she made her choice. In that moment, she chose him. Easily. Because he gave her what Ethan one could not give her or would not give her. Mm-hmm. And um, that was kind of like where, um, I guess where the two, um, the original couple, the starting couple, I, that's what was so hard for me watching um, Sophie One's character development because, like you're saying, like she felt like he owed her, but I was like, this is a different situation in a different circumstance. But she's already so infatuated with this idolized, you know, Ethan too, where he's at 20 percent cooler and 20 percent, you know, better looking. But uh, and at parts of the movie, I was just like almost like screaming where I was like I could get where she was coming from. But there comes a point that you have to make a different decision. And that's when I realized it's like, oh, no, she's been done with this for a long time. She's been done with this relationship for quite a while. Right. Because if she still really wanted to be working on it, she wouldn't have slipped that fast. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like at that point, it's almost like she's staying in that relationship to punish him. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you can't forgive him because she said that she wants to forgive him. She's and she she insists, I want us to work. I want to forgive you. I want to move on. And in my head, I'm like, by the end, I was like, but do you Mm-mm. though? I don't think you do. Like she didn't. At that point, honestly, what she probably should have done was divorced him or left him or separated or you know said. Because you know, even the therapist is like, "Are you guys having sex?" And then there's like no answer, so you know that they're not. You know, mm-hmm. they may not even be sleeping in the same bed. Maybe he's sleeping on the couch or whatever. Like, right. they they are not in any way having any sort of intimacy in their lives, whether it be through talking or you know physical love, like none of that. So it's like, why are you even in this relationship? You're just punishing him. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you're torturing yourself. Like, you're not yep. happy either. So, you know, how much of this is you want it to work? And how much of this is I'm going to make you pay for hurting me? And w- when that comes from, like, a, p- a place of pain, it's hard to be objective. I, I understand that. Mm-hmm. but. It's really interesting to watch this couple. That's why I say it's almost like they should never have even yep. been together. How did they even? And you were right, Quentin. It's like all adrenaline. It's all this rush of like, oh, what an exciting time. Let's get married. And then it's like, oh, we're married. You know, it's uh, oh, now what do we do? Right. Yeah. Newlywed. <laughs> <laughs> jokes aside but no there's just so much I mean this is only like 91 minutes long and just all of the little things that are like this throughout the film where you can just see the original Ethan and Sophie then you see the secondary couple which 
now then like my whole like thing is my brain was like jogging when they reveal the information that they are different people. They just look and sound like them. And it sounds like when they can finally break up this couple, they're free of the property and they'll go back to their original selves. Right. That's originally how the plant's supposed to work. But yeah. then because but then because Sophie one and Ethan two fall in love with each other, it kind of like breaks the rules inside the property, which is then I think how all four of them are able to hang out for the game night. Yeah, because like they're it's not following protocol. So in essence, she's choosing to completely fall in love with a different person right in front of Ethan's face. And it's just, that's weird to me. Like, not weird as in watching the movie, but I went from, like, empathizing with Sophie in the beginning to, at that point, I was just like, no, she's cheating. This is not, she's not doing right. And so then I was pissed at her. (laughs) Yeah, I I totally agree with you. It's, It's really interesting how I think in her mind, I think when she starts out, I mean, obviously the first time that she sleeps with Ethan two, she, she doesn't know it's Ethan two. She has no mm-hmm. clue that any of this is, you know what any of this is. She thinks that that's her husband and that they just, you know, spontaneously, you know, ha, got, got a little nookie and that was it. Right. Like, right. Mm-hmm. but then once everything is revealed and she keeps going back to the house and they don't even do anything physical for nope. a while. It's an emotional affair. Like, it's like a drug addiction. Yes. Like she can't stay away from him. And, and you could see her struggling because like that scene where like they play tic-tac-toe in the attic and he asks her, how come you don't kiss me anymore? Like, have I done something that bothers you? Like that's what, again, like, that's the kind of thing you want to hear your partner say. Like, you don't want your partner to say, how come you don't kiss me anymore? What's wrong with you? No, he's saying, have I done something that's bothering you? Like, what can I do to make you want to kiss me again? Like, those are the things that she wants to hear from Ethan one. But either, I, I think it's that he doesn't know how to articulate it until it's like, the very end of the movie and he he gives her that really impassioned speech Mm -hmm. about how like we're messed up and we're dysfunctional but that's what i love about us and and i know that he's like cooler than me and blah 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 like this is again where i i feel a little conflicted about the ending of the movie because he gives her this impassioned speech he fights the other ethan for her and then at the end of course, conveniently, both Sophies are wearing, like, the exact same outfit. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, you know, this was... Uh, this goes to what, what Quentin was saying about predictable of, like, you know, you'll have to shoot us both. You don't know which one is the real one. Like, it's right. like that scenario. And, you know, he takes the one that she smiles at him. Mm-hmm. And it's not until, like, sort of like the the PS of the movie where she's like, how about some bacon and eggs that you're like, oh, 
Which again, too, like we probably all saw coming because that's definitely a trope to expect in a movie like this. But then, not that he was like, "Yeehaw, I got me a new wife," but he he seemed to accept it pretty calmly for somebody who gave his wife such a speech. Mm-hmm. I, I I felt like if it were me, I I, I would. I would drive back and try to get her. Right, right. I, I don't know. I, I felt a little dissatisfied with Ethan one at the end because I was like, dude. But then again, so conflicting. The other Sophie looks down at, you know, Ethan two, and she's like fixated on him. Yeah. So I mean, it's like that. That's so exactly wh- what I was thinking. Yeah. Why would you want? Why would you want her? If she doesn't want you. Exactly. Why mm-hmm. do you want the one that wouldn't look at you? I I get. Yeah. I I don't like. The, like the more I talk about it, the more I can see both sides of it, and it, I feel a little more like okay with the ending. But it, it's just such a again big questions. I mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are to assume. I mean, are we all on the same page? That's Sophie too. That's Sophie too, right? Um. Yeah. I. My first feeling is Sophie 2, but then I started thinking, what if it is Sophie 1? Because she did smile at him when he gave her that speech and had tears in her eyes. Right. And it looks like she still had tears in her eyes when she looked up at him. And so then I was like, well, what if it is just Sophie 1? And we don't know how long that they've been away from this place that they're in this in their bedroom together. But... um. True. Then she says, you know, I'm going to, you know, I was thinking some bacon and eggs and maybe it was just one of those things that now that they're back together and they work through everything. She's now like, okay, I know that you like this. Something. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll make you bacon and eggs this morning. Like, like a compromise. Like, mm-hmm. I know you really like this thing that I don't care for, but you know what? Because you like it, I'm going to do this for you. It's like, we went through this whole crazy weird ordeal and now they're on like a better track and in a better relationship. Mm. That's a really good point too. I didn't really consider that to be honest, but you make a very strong argument there for it to be also, it could be Sophie one, but, but he kind of like, I I do enjoy the, like he kind of looks like he like looks at the bed, like he kind of looks around Mm -hmm. and in his mind, it's almost like he's just like, well, this is it. Like whatever, yeah. whatever she is. He totally had that look. And that's he, the one he, thing that holds me back. Yeah, it's it's like an acceptance of like, well, it is what it is, and and that is a little bit like. Yeah. Ah, but the, but then again, it just feeds into the ambiguity of the movie of mm-hmm. just like you know who's doing this stuff and how come when they go back to the therapist's office, like there's nothing there, it's just a piano, and it's like. Okay, like, ugh, what? Yeah, it's 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 definitely meant to leave you with questions and of of you know who's really who and you know if, if that is Sophie too, then we're to imagine that Sophie one is living in that house with Ethan too, but she kind of wanted to do that too. Yeah, mm-hmm. she said she wasn't leaving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the thing, too, with Ethan at the end where he's looking around, let's just say that it is Sophie one and she makes that statement. And because of his personality, he's non-confrontational, obviously, he doesn't want to, you know, address issues. 
let's say it is her, but now in his head, he's going to wonder for the rest of his life if it's two or one. Oh, that would eat me alive. But he's never, he's never going to confront Sophie and be like, wait, is who, which one are you? Right. Right. You're absolutely right. He, he's not going to confront her, which Mm -hmm. then kind of begs the question, do they go back to that same cycle? Does he then become non-confrontational and does he cheat again? Or, or, or will he find happiness with this person? Mm hmm. Like, it, it, what, it's such a, it's such a really, um, interesting ending in the sense of it. I think it opens up a really interesting conversation about, you know, who's who. Yeah. And people's personalities. Mm hmm. Damn it, Amanda. Now I'm thinking, <laughs> God, now I don't know. I was so, <laughs> I was, I was with you, Rebecca. Like, I, I was so, on uh, it being Sophie too, but now I don't know, and now I'm conflicted. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, I uh, yeah. But uh, I just had a, another question for you guys that we didn't touch on um, really. But when Ethan one sneaks back into the house, into the guest house, and enters at the same time as Sophie and pretends to be Ethan two. Yeah. Thoughts and feelings. Yeah, I do too. Um, yeah. <laughs> Quentin, since you're yeah, you're you're the boy here, so. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, let's see here. I really liked that he did that because he wanted to see firsthand. Because I think before that he put the he put his phone up in a basket to try to like record, and um. That didn't work, but so he decided that, like, he, he's curious. He wants to know what's happening with his wife and his doppelganger. And, I mean, he's obviously deceiving her again, mm-hmm. but he's catching her deceiving him. And so you're kind of thinking, like, okay, well, two, ba- two wrongs don't make a right. So it's just... it. It's so weird to even like think about, honestly, but I hate that he does it, but I understand why he does it, but I hate the way that she has reacted to this whole thing because like it, it's brought up, you know, at dinner and she, like, I just, I felt like she wasn't in the right either. So like she got very upset whenever he, uh, she found out that it was Ethan one and not Ethan two, but she was the one that was having sex with Ethan two. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's in her mind. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm just, Oh, I don't know how I really feel about it. I just think that they both are just dirty people. <laughs> well, and then in my head too, they don't really show what leads up to that. So you don't know if, I mean, if Ethan one is because he has it in his head, head that there's more going on. And which there is like, you know, the just the the mental affair is definitely happening. But she, you know, Sophie one was not obviously engaging physically. So who's to say that Ethan one pretending to be Ethan two wasn't trying to amp up the situation? You know what I mean? Right. Because he has known her for so long. So then he technically knows maybe in that situation, the right things to say to get them to sleep together. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. But in my mind, I thought they've already had sex, uh, her and Ethan too, whenever they were up in like the attic and, and Ethan too asked, like, why won't you kiss me anymore? You know, like he misses her and stuff. So I thought from right there they had sex. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't get that, but yeah, Rebecca. <laughs> so, okay, let me just see, let me just make sure I understand this. So when she has sex with Ethan two the first time, it's because she thinks it's her husband. She thinks Correct. it's Ethan one. Okay. Right. From that time until her husband tricks her, does she have sex with Ethan too? And that's what I was saying. I think she had when they're in the attic. Yeah, and I don't think they had. See, I'm gonna be on. I'm gonna disagree with you, Quentin, because this movie showed us the times that there was sexual activity. Right. Like it didn't. It didn't leave it into the imagination. Um, I think that she only had sex with Ethan too that one time. And to be honest, like, her husband, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know if this is the right language to use, but, like, she didn't consent to have sex with that person. Right. She. I had a problem with that. That is, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not reluctant to use the word rape or assault when it's called for, when it's absolutely what it is but there is a case to be made here for sexual assault she did not consent to have sex with ethan one right he tried her into thinking it was ethan two mm-hmm. and so when it gets revealed at the dinner party she feels violated because she was violated right a hundred percent A hundred percent. Yeah. Like, and I'm not trying to turn this into, like, I'm not trying to turn this into, like, if you don't agree with me, then you're a terrible person. That's not what I'm saying here. Because they're, as you said, Quentin, they're both terrible people in their own ways. Right. But in this particular thing, it's, I had a real problem with that. That yeah. is both, very both Ethan's, upsetting. Yeah, both Ethan's violated. That's right. One, I was about to ask if we would consider um, Ethan too. Whenever the first time they yep. had sex, that wasn't consent either. It wasn't right. because he purported himself to be her husband, right? Mm-hmm. And she didn't consent to that either. So here's a woman who already feels violated because her husband cheated on her. Now she's got her husband. She's got Ethan too, who initially in reality does violate her. And then her husband then does it again to her Mm -hmm. by pretending to be another person. Mm -hmm. And even though, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, um, yeah, I felt uncomfortable in that because I was just like, she does not know who that is, and he is pretending to be another person, and she didn't consent to have sex with him. Mm-hmm. And even though that's her husband, you know, yes, marital rape is a thing, and uh doesn't mean that you can just do whatever you want whenever you want to your partner. So it, it, it yeah, upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> upsetting. So you're watching, like, when the, the story initially started, and you find out that there's this um, 
other version of of the spouse. Like to me, that in that moment, I was like, okay, this movie is still like in sort of like you know, like this is an act an actual person. But when they revealed that it was an actual person, and then you have to double down that sort of thing, I was like, you don't want that Ethan either. He's just making you fall for him because he wants out of this house because he doesn't want to be with Sophie too because they were the couple in the house previous that were driven apart by the couple that was there before them. Exactly. Exactly. And so he's trying to use the situation to get out. And yeah, just that whole process is crazy too, is could you imagine going through that and being driven apart and then you're stuck together in that house? Oh God. And you I have mean, to work together to get the other couple apart so then you can get out. Yeah. But I, I think what you're saying, you have, you bring out an interesting point, Amanda, because I think all along as you're watching Ethan two like really woo her, um, you kind of start to feel like, oh, man, I think he really does love her. But I I question that completely because at the very end where you could see her wavering between Ethan 1, Ethan 2, he was like, I'm going to screw all of you people over. And he makes a run for that, mm-hmm. for that, for the, for the edge of the property because he knows, I assume, that only two people can leave there. So he figures, I'm going to make sure I get my spot out of here. Yeah. Like, right. I'm going to make sure I can leave. And, excuse me, of course it doesn't work. Um, you know, he bangs up against some invisible barrier there, which, yep. <laughs> which was kind of funny. It was like a dong, and he kind of just like, it was almost it was almost like cartoonish. And then he just kind of falls down, you know, and he's just like unconscious. But, um, I mean, did he ever really love Sophie? One, mm-hmm. I don't know. Or was he just using her? Probably. Yeah, yep. I think it was all manipulation. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where I go back and forth with trying to figure out which. Um, oh, I love the reveal of Sophie two with Ethan two, where he thinks it's Sophie one, and then he goes in to like kiss her, and then just, like Elizabeth Moss face is just so dead in oh, her eye. Can you say that little? I mean, this is where I'm like bravo to the cinematographer who I still can't find on the internet other for except for this movie. But just that shot in that frame, and you just get that sliver of her eye just open and mm-hmm. like dead body. Oh my gosh! Just like ooh, I was like, I can't wait for this reveal. That's amazing <laughs> because then you're getting like the tension that they had that we've never saw in the whole movie, and you're just getting it in this little tiny section of the movie. Right. Yeah. That that was a great scene of. When, when she goes, yeah, when she like goes dead and she's clearly not responding to him kissing her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what a great scene. And, and the look on her face is just, it's anger, it's sadness, it's bitterness, it's hatred, it's all of those things of like, I gotta be stuck here with you. You don't even want me. Like, I don't even want you. Like, right. and she mm-hmm. doesn't, I don't think she particularly wants Ethan one either. Because, I mean, nope. that, that guy's like a, like a, he's a real dud, you know, but she <laughs> she wants out of that house. And mm-hmm. I think she absolutely just, you know, if that is Sophie, too, who escaped with 
Ethan won, she's going to do whatever she has to do to make sure that she stays out of that house. Like, if it means she has to stay with him, she'll probably do it. Um, or maybe she can leave him and go to live her life and do whatever she wants. I mean, I mm-hmm. don't know how the rules work in this universe, but yeah, it's, it's, she, she's going to do whatever she has to do to escape that. Mm hmm. And that's where I go back and forth because initially I have that feeling. And so where I was like, oh, that's Sophie too. But then when Ethan two bangs up against the invisible force field and one of the Sophies is like staring down, like I felt that emotion from that scene for that character when I watched it the second time where I was like, oh, it's like maybe that's her where she's just looking at him like I'm screwed. Like. Mm. I'm I'm hitting well, this next level of emotion where I'm I'm done. She does say though Sophie too does say to Ethan one, I would rather have to stay here with him than watch him leave with your wife. Mm-hmm. So like if she had to stay there, she would, but only if it meant that he had to stay there too. Because it was mm-hmm. like, if I'm stuck here, you stuck here too with me. Right. You, you not getting out of this and leaving me behind. Like, so again, that ambiguity, you could, I think you could read that scene in a lot of different ways. Mm hmm. That's what I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Watch it a second time for sure, because you just get more into that stuff where you just start seeing different layers and elements. And for just being an hour and a half, like, I can't believe, like, the different things. Like, I haven't been able to stop thinking about this movie. Mm. And, I, yeah, it's great to have something like this that I haven't seen before and nothing was spoiled, so... I agree. Yeah, I, I d- definitely. I'm I'm shocked that this movie hadn't been spoiled for me before. But cer- certainly after I watched the movie, I did look for more information on the internet about mm-hmm. like the ending and stuff. And 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 there's definitely plenty of articles out there. Like if if you Google like you know the one I love ending, there's going to be articles about like what bloggers think, you know. And then you can kind of draw your own conclusions or or not. Or stay, mm-hmm. you know, am- ambiguous. <laughs> <laughs> Was there anything interesting that you found that we haven't really addressed or talked about? I mean, for me to uh, to be honest, all the articles I read, we we've gone way more in depth than the articles did. You know, it was kind <laughs> of just sort of like, you know, sort of t- topical, like, well, if you look at this, you know, we think that this is what happened, and. And so, but I, I think this conversation was much more informative than what I read, to be honest. <laughs> I guess that's not a bad thing. No, not at all. <laughs> you guys are way more interesting than those bloggers. <laughs> I will Yay. say that this movie definitely feels underrated. Like, more people need to watch this film. And I'm glad that mm-hmm. it's been getting a lot of buzz this week, just with a lot of people that I've been talking to. So. I don't know. I just more people need to see this, especially those who are big fans of the Handmaid's Tale. Um, I mean, Elizabeth Moss is great. I, I've always loved Mark Duplass, especially from the League. Uh, he's a very funny guy, but seeing him in these roles is definitely interesting. And I need to watch more of his other films. We were talking to Philip after uh, we did Interstellar, and he did uh, two films that are kind of horror films called Creep and Creep Two. 
mm-hmm. um, that are on Netflix. So those are stuff I want to check out too because I really like these actors. Nice. Oh yeah, they're definitely great. And then, uh, like I said, the director. I understand maybe why they brought him into this because he's done um, episodes from and a lot of TV, but he did like Tales from the Loop, um, Dear White People, On Becoming a God, in Central Florida. So his oh, mind yeah. is in like a different. His mind is in a different space, which makes sense watching this movie. Right. So I just feel like they need to keep this group of people together and do something else. Oh yeah, I I would. I would love to like keep in touch with what they're working on and everything because I plan on being there first and foremost to see it. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And I was watching just like an interview with Mark Duplass um, earlier today, where he was just—it was just something that fed off of something else I was watching, just to try to get information for this movie. But he was just talking in general about filmmaking, about how he's so excited that you know like even i think this might be a recent interview but he's talking about how people don't have to spend a huge budget to make a good film for people to enjoy that there can be a kid down in texas with his iphone that could make a movie and it could be a brilliant a brilliant film and that's kind of what we see that's what we see with this movie and i was like ah yeah i'm glad you were able to find out what their actual budget was right and it's all about who you know so Mm -hmm. for sure you know i i I, i've always like felt about film that like yes do do i enjoy a good you know popcorn movie where like there's explosions and Mm -hmm. you know Absolutely. Uh, opening night, Fast and the Furious, you're going to see Rebecca <laughs> first in line Hell with yeah, a girl. giant bucket of popcorn and my huge soda watching Vin Diesel and The Rock and all that stuff. I love that kind of movie. I love it. Is there a real story there? No. But it's fun <laughs> to watch. It's, mm-hmm. it's just mindless, stupid, fast cars and other things. Like, uh, that's it. But... Um, movies that are meant to like make you feel something whether it be happy joyful sad angry uncomfortable um disgusted even like that's the mark to me of like if we're going to talk about cinema like that's really what a movie should do so if a film can do that to you, if a film can make you feel things that maybe you didn't know you could feel or that you didn't think you could feel about a certain topic, and it's it's not a flashy look, but the story is strong and the acting is great and the writing is good, I'll go see that kind of mo- – I'll go to the art theater and see that movie all day. Like mm-hmm. that's another type of cinema that – it should make you feel something. And I I love finding these little movies like that. And I'm so glad that you guys suggested this movie. Like, I probably wouldn't wouldn't have watched it, maybe. Or, or maybe just been like, oh, one day I'll get to it. But I'm so glad that I watched it because it, it made me feel things. And, it, and it's fun to talk about. Oh, I'd love for this movie to just get trending on Netflix. Like, if it can get into the top ten, then I'll feel good because I about lost my mind when that other movie, 365 Days, 
was trending number one for a moment there. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I don't think I saw that movie. Don't watch it, Rebecca. (laughs) Okay, I'll take your word for it. You are shit down. (laughs) I will not watch it. That's fine. Have you missed it all? 365 um no i mean i know that that movie was popular for a minute um but i didn't really pay attention to it people so. are now trying to get it booted off of netflix oh it's so, that bad yeah it's oh a my. gangster yeah and it's based off a series of books where i'm like oh honey dear it's somebody trying to take the concept of 50 shades and do their own twist on it but oh, this no. gangster guy sees Ooh. a girl i like She's beautiful. He sees her again. He's like, oh, that's that same girl. I'm in love with her. I love her. Uh, you know, like never talking to her or anything like that. So then he has his uh, cronies um, basically kidnap her. And he's like, here's the deal. I won't touch you or anything like that. But you have to stay with me for 365 days. And if you don't fall in love with me, then I'll let you go after a year. What? Yep. This is a movie that they made on purpose? This yes. Is terrible. It's a Polish movie. I don't know if that means anything or not, what? but I, I'm half Polish. What were my people thinking? I don't know. I have no explanation for this. I don't know. This is terrible. Terrible. Oh yeah. my god. Some lady wrote this as a book. Oh, you know, sometimes the misogyny is coming from inside the house. I, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's just the way that it is. Sometimes it is. Oh my god. That is just upsetting. Ah. Yeah, you don't watch it. Rebecca. <laughs> no, I won't. I, I'm already angry. I don't want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, well, and the thing on top of it is, um, eventually she does end up falling for him. But of course she does. Just, then, it, then it just turned into like just basically like um, Skinamax. Then they were just like having sex and everything where you're just like, um, no. So the lesson is when a woman says no, you just pester her until she says yes. Wow. What a great message for 2020. <laughs> yeah. So it trended for a while because I think people were just more wanting to watch a porno basically okay. that's just my opinion and now well, those are all over are Netflix. Like, yeah and now people are pissed at it because they're like uh no this is kind of weird yeah, so wow that is just upsetting oh he kidnaps a woman he stalks a woman and kidnaps her i, I i've seen this movie it's called room with brie larson right uh, it's it's terrible. Oh, my. I mean, no, Room is not terrible. It's an incredibly moving film. But Very. this concept of 365. But it's the same thing. It's essentially <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Watch Room instead. If you want to watch a really interesting movie, like, watch Room instead. Mm-hmm. You know, but be in the right space for it because it's hard to watch. But, yeah, <laughs> watch That's that. That's why I haven't watched yet. And I know it's a great performance. Yeah. It's, no, it's, it's definitely... Everything. Yeah, it's definitely one of those films that you do need to be in the right emotional headspace for it. And cer- certainly the, the things that are in the movie are absolutely can be triggering if you've been a victim of sexual assault or um, any kind of stuff like that. Like, it's absolutely you, you, you have to be in the right space for it. So wait till yeah. this year is over. All right. Yeah. Maybe don't watch it this year. Maybe wait till like next year to watch. Yeah. It. <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> All right. 
So uh, are we ready to rate this one, kiddos? Hell yeah. yeah. All right. We'll give it to our guest of honor, Rebecca. Oh, boy. You know, I am going to give this movie – I'm going to give it a 2.2. Um, I would probably give it higher if not for the whole very questionable sexual assault stuff we talked about. Um but I do think it it is an intriguing movie. I do think people should still watch it. Like I'm not going to tell people like don't don't watch this movie. I do think it is an interesting movie. It's definitely science fictiony enough to be, in my opinion, in the genre, um, with just enough hint of the fantastical and the magical to kind of keep you guessing. Um, so yeah, if you like ambiguously ending movies and that don't really, you're not sure about what really happened there. I, I think this is absolutely a movie to check out. Awesome. Clinton. Um, yeah, I am going to keep this short and sweet. I will give this one a middle of the road too. Um, because like I said, there are a lot of predictable things that happen in this film, but they put certain twists on them that I wasn't expecting. I don't know, even know if that sentence made sense, but <laughs> like I, I really enjoyed aspects of this film. I enjoyed both actors um, because we're we're basically just following them throughout the whole film. I like their character arcs. I like what they do. Um, this movie was just fine. I think that it needs to be watched uh, by everyone. Um, I wouldn't say it's like in the top. 20 movies of the century but it's definitely top 100 for me because it is an important movie i feel if if like you're going through relationship problems or if you've gone through relationship problems there's going to be a lot here that you can learn from and also experience while watching this film and i just i think it's an important movie to watch for every human being especially an adult mhm that works. Um, yeah, I'm going with like a 2.8, and that is based off of it's a short, enjoyable watch. The acting is just top-notch. These two just knock it out of the park, and just all of the little, the tiny things that they do that you you notice between the different characters and stuff like that are just, you know, like unbelievable. You know, like the pushing up of the glasses and just hair pinned back a little bit different, a little 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 softer um the things like that just make me enjoy it and loved what i watched but like i said watching it the second time just the more that it made my brain think the more like there's just so much to unpack for a 90 minute movie that it just i just love movies like that and this definitely like i said gave me like i enjoyed the ride i loved what i watched and having everything just happen in front of me and trying to figure it out and still thinking about it and having questions. Right. All right. Do you guys kids have anything else? It's, I was just going to say it's, it's definitely well paced. I, I, that hour and a half flew right by. It never mm-hmm. dragged for me. It absolutely was a really well paced to the point movie. Yeah. This was not the relic or <laughs> yeah. Relic. The relic, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just can't. Yeah, they also filmed this in 15 days as well. So, wild. Damn. 
That's amazing. Uh, well, and I'm thinking like this is 2014 and Hollywood's changing because of the pandemic and everything that I feel like we're going to get more films that maybe look like this, maybe not the same story, but in an enclosed, you know, like a person's home where it's just one location, a smaller budget, you know, shorter, shorter movies, you know, two people. Like, I feel like this is what we're going to see a lot as movies do start to come out. Yeah. Post pandemic. That's an yeah, interesting way point. to think about it, actually. Yeah, limited days, limited budget, limited cast, you know, limited crew. I think this is just what we're going to see a lot. So maybe that'll, like, amp up, like, different torm- like different forms of uh, cinematography and stuff like that. Right. So who knows? Well, you know what else we just did today, Amanda? Hmm. We finished up our sci-fi genre. We did. And we had Rebecca here to help us out. So thank you, Rebecca. Yes, well, thanks thank for having you, me. I had I had a wonderful time. Thank you so much for letting me be on. Of course. Of course. Wow. Um, You're welcome on any time. Please, oh, anytime. time. thank you. Don't invite me for that 365 movie. I, I ain't coming on that. <laughs> yeah, no. I don't think you have to worry about us reviewing that one. Okay, so. good, good, good. <laughs> uh, but, Amanda, before we go, what are we doing next in our genre? We're doing sports and martial arts. Yeah, we uh, switched up our genres from last year where we had some clumped in together. I think we just had sports alone. And then martial arts, war, and western together. And so we're just going to keep war and western its own thing. And we moved martial arts to sports because we felt that that was a little better. So um, the next time you'll be hearing from us, we'll be doing a either a sports movie or a martial arts film. And I'm excited because the first one that you were on, Amanda, whenever you were just a guest, you kind of did a martial arts film with us. Mm-hmm. So... But yeah, um, I'm excited, and I am so grateful that we got to have Rebecca on for our last sci-fi film. Um, is there anything else you guys want to say before we cap this off? Nope. Nope, that's it. All right, <laughs> well then, we will talk to you guys later. Thank you so much for joining us, and this was The One I Love, the movie, not the R.E.M. song, and we will be seeing you soon. Keep it real. Bye.